All right, so we're going to be continuing our journey in the book of Philippians tonight. Philippians chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 12. So while you're flipping there, if you are using one of the Mosaic Bibles, Beautiful Blues, we're on page 1,084. So what is a simple, difficult task you've ever faced? A simple, difficult task. I'll give you my example. When Allie and I got, in, or got married, we went on our honeymoon a few weeks later. And when we went on our honeymoon, we got this like incredible deal at this all-inclusive resort in this beautiful tropical location. And it was this particular all-inclusive resort that's like super sportsy, like has a lot of different, like really fun activities. So like they have like a trapeze class and stuff like some really cool stuff. It was super sweet. Um, and one of the things that I was so excited about was windsurfing. Now, I grew up in California and I grew up riding different boards. Like um, I grew up skateboarding, snowboarding, surfing a little bit. Like those kind of things were kind of, have always kind of came naturally to me as I was, you know, just growing up. So I thought windsurfing would be just another really fun sport for me to just try out and I'll, and I'll nail it. So here's what happened. Um, I go to check out the rental equipment. They give me the rental equipment and I take it out. They give me quick explanation, quick instructions. And they were really simple instructions. It was like, if you've never seen windsurfing, it's like a surfboard. And then there's uh, like a sail that you pull up with you and you ride the wave while like moving with the wind or something. That's, I think, what's supposed to happen. That's not what happened with me. Uh, instead, what happened for the next two hours was Allie was like on the verge of tears because she was trying so hard to not laugh at what was ensuing. Because I was not only failing, I was failing miserably. Like, I was so miserable, and I was yelling at the ocean, and it, like the ocean was not cooperating. I'm not Moana, you know? Uh, like, it was not cooperating with me. I was really frustrated and that was two hours of my life poorly spent. Simple, difficult task. It was simple. The instructions were pretty easy when they explained. I couldn't explain to you now. But it was pretty simple, their explanation. Made me, making me think it was also going to be easy. It was not. It was a simple, difficult task. Now, maybe one of you is like not going to the U.S. Open for windsurfing next year or something. And for you, kudos. For me, I was terrible at it. It was a really simple, difficult task. So here's another simple, difficult task. Live out the implications of the gospel every minute of every day. Simple. We know the implications of the gospel could be summarized in what Jesus said, that it is to love the Lord your God with everything in you and to love your neighbors yourself. Love God, love people. That is, everything else is an implication from that. Everything else is a contextualization of that. But how difficult is it to love God and love people all the time, always? Tough, right? Like if you're anything like me, that is a tough reality. It's simple, but it's difficult. And that to me makes windsurfing sound a lot easier. Hey, Abby. Uh, I know not everyone in here has necessarily uh, begun a journey yet of following after Jesus. But for those of us who have, do you ever feel a little defeated when you find yourself in the land of the once again? And here's what I mean by the land of once again. When you're in that place again where you're saying, once again, I was impatient with my kids, my friends, my coworkers, my roommates. Once again, I gave in to sexual temptation. Once again, 
I'm walking, I'm walking away from another conversation knowing that I was such a jerk. Why couldn't I just stop saying those things? Once again, fill in the blank. Once again, wondering if I will ever grow and learn the lessons God has for me. If you've ever been there, then you know that it can leave you in a place of like despair when you're like, when am I ever going to get better at this? When am I ever going to be more like Jesus in this area? Now, I hope that we can all be vulnerable enough to share that in this space. But this leads me to the question for the evening. How do we live a life of gospel transformation without losing heart? See, when we lose heart, that's when we kind of give in to despair, when we're like, ugh, I'm the worst and it's never getting better. So how do we live a life of gospel transformation without losing heart? See, this is where we continue with Paul in his letter to the church in Philippi tonight. So we're going to go ahead and go there, Philippians chapter 2. But to give you just a little bit of context, where we left off last week is we were in that anthem of Zion, that Christ hymn, that talks about the humility of Jesus and how the humility of Jesus, him stepping into our humanity to take on our punishment on the cross, led to his ultimate glorification, that he is now enthroned because he has proven himself to be the Messiah. See, we live in a world where our personal glory is usually attached to our power, our ability to achieve more. But the true one who deserves glory is never us in the first place. It's the one who laid down his life humbly and sacrificed himself for us. So from that place, Paul's going to continue his encouragement to the church tonight. And he's talking about the concept of sanctification, which we talk about around here from time to time. And this is the idea that it is the journey of becoming more like Jesus in mind and thought and action and desires. Simple, difficult, right? Just be fully sanctified, right? So let's read the entire passage tonight. Philippians chapter two, verse 12. Therefore, so in light of all of that song that we spent time in, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So the main idea for this evening, if you take nothing else, this, we live in gospel freedom as we live in our incredible need for God's transforming work. We live in gospel freedom as we live in our incredible need for God's transforming work. And Paul is going to break this down for us within this passage. The first thing he does, though, notice what he does. He commends the church. He's not just calling them out. He actually commends them. He's encouraging them. And this reminds me of something I once heard, that we aren't what we ought to be or what we'll be one day. But by God's grace, we are not what we used to be. Isn't that good news? Y'all, I, I, I lose patience way too often. I am so frustrated so often. I struggle and I imagine you do too. And you're not what you would want to be. And you know theologically of in the scriptures, you discover who you will be one day, what God will do on the other side of eternity in you. And we can praise God for that. 
but by God's grace, I am not what I used to be. Isn't that good news? And so Paul's going to give an encouragement like that here because the journey of discipleship, of following the way of Jesus can be discouraging at times because it's such a simple, difficult task. But what Paul's saying is be encouraged. God is working in you. See, we should regularly look back at what God has done in our lives and give praise to him for it. And call it out in the lives of one another. When we see people moving closer to Jesus in a number of ways, where there is a circumstance where a friend of yours would have usually lost their temper, but for some reason this time, they were able to keep their cool. You can go back and say, hey, that was, that was so cool. And we commend one another. We encourage one another in the ways that God is molding us and growing us near to himself. I think of right now, even as I'm just looking at you guys in the room right now, so many of you, I have had the opportunity to hear from and journey with you in various spaces and seeing what God has done in you and through you. I have seen God, for some of you who have struggled with, with some significant addiction, all of a sudden God is, does an incredible work in that area of your life or struggles with their temper or struggles with their words or struggles in a number of areas. And God is doing a work. See, God is doing works in us. Isn't that good? Like he is going to do a finished work one day. But right now he is still working in us. So why does it matter that we recognize that? Because at some point on your journey with Jesus, you'll end in the castle of despair. You've never heard of the castle of despair? That's okay. I have a book that can help you know what the Castle of Despair is. And it's not the Bible, it's Pilgrim's Progress. The Castle of Despair comes from a allegory story that was written hundreds of years ago um, by a guy named John Bunyan. And Pilgrim's Progress is the second best-selling book of all time. And um, in it, it's this story that we are meant to identify with the main character, a, a character named Christian. And Christian is a pilgrim who is walking down this long path to a place called the Celestial City. Now on his way, he faces a number of oddly named individuals. These are the foes, individuals like temptation and obstacle and doubt. But he also discovers incredible friendships and allies, love and kindness, help wisdom. And along the way, he grows as he continues down the path to the celestial city. And as he draws near to the celestial city, he and his friend, Hopeful, who are journeying together, they end up falling asleep off of the path. And when they are woken up, they're woken up by a giant named Giant Despair. And he picks them up and he throws them into a dungeon. Now, I want to read you a portion of Pilgrim's Progress, but I'm going to read it from my favorite version, which is Little Pilgrim's Big Journey. Uh, guys, this is so good. I recommend all Amazon it. Promise you will not regret it. Um, the other one is uh, written in Old English. This one is not. So, uh, and the pictures are really lovely. Look at that. So cool. All of you in podcast land can't hear that, but look it up. Little Pilgrim's Big Journey. So I wanted to read you a section of it so that you would know what the castle of despair is all about. The giant says, yells at them, you'll never get out of here. You'll die in this prison. So give up hope. There's no way out. Have you ever felt that way? I give up, Christian says. But hopeful encouraged him. Be patient, brother. We must wait and hope. Maybe someday he'll forget to lock us in. 
Well, it was more than Christian could bear. This is all my fault, he cried. I led us away from the path. I failed so many times. I don't deserve to be a pilgrim. I don't deserve to enter into the celestial city. The king will never let me in now. But Hopeful said, the king is merciful. He'll never abandon you. We'll soon see the celestial city. Remember how brave you've been so far. Apollyon couldn't crush you. The valley of the shadow of death didn't turn you away. And with the king's help, you'll overcome many difficulties and you'll overcome this one as well. Early the next morning, Christian awoke and he said, what a fool I have been. How could I have forgotten? The king left a key called promise hidden here in my pocket. I'm certain it will open any lock in Doubting Castle. So Christian tried the key in their door and it worked and together they pushed it open. Do you ever feel like pilgrim in that? Do you ever feel like Christian? Your addiction is too big. Your failures are too much. Your doubts cannot be silenced. But then he's encouraged by hopeful, right? And then he remembers a key called promise. See, we will all at some point be locked in the castle of despair. I mean, sometimes twice a day, right? This is when we remember the key called promise. We look at what God has already done in us and through us. And we remember what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. And we unlock the cell and we walk out of the door. Now, what does this unlock us, what does this unlock us to do? Verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. So, they, so he commends them. I'm encouraging you. You have done this, but he wants to encourage them further up and further in. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We live in gospel freedom as we live in our incredible need for God's transforming work. So here, Paul gives a really clear command. Go work out, work out. Now, he says to work out your salvation. And we could misunderstand this into a belief that somehow I'm supposed to add something to my salvation, that I need to work harder so that God would love me. What this doesn't mean is that you're gonna be earning your salvation, that you can add anything to your salvation, that you can supplement with your own goodness your salvation. What it does mean to work out your salvation is the same way if you've ever worked out a puzzle. Piece by piece, as you put it together, you discover the image that was there to be discovered. See, as Pilgrim is on the road to the celestial city, this is the journey. This is the path that we walk on. We are on the path to the celestial city. I don't know when I'm getting there. I don't know when you're getting there. But I know that if, if we have surrendered our lives to him, then we are pilgrims on that path, following the way of Jesus, becoming more like him. And so this brings up two very important pieces. First thing to know is this is not a passive journey. This is not like getting on the people mover in Tomorrowland and just like you sit down and it's just gonna cart you off to the celestial city one day. Like this is not that. See, we are called to be active participants in the journey. It's not like, well, I'm saved, so I'm just going to go back to living life however I want and where I make all my own decisions my own way. It is a life of active surrender to the way of Jesus. And then the second thing is there's no shortcuts on this journey. I love how Eugene Peterson, 
what he describes this journey as, the journey of sanctification, the journey of discipleship as. He calls it long obedience in the same direction. Isn't that good? Long obedience in the same direction. He writes about this in a book that he wrote called Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Not kidding. (laughs) This is why we engage in spaces of discipleship where we learn from one another what it looks like to think, to be, and to act more like Jesus, to know Jesus more. Now, in this particular biblical community, this is why we have the space of our biweekly Bible studies. See, it's within our Bible studies. That's why we call them our gateway into discipleship. Because we want to make it so apparently and obviously easy for you to journey in community on the path of discipleship. This is why we have spaces like discipleship groups and so much more. All of it, though, it's not meant to be a quick fix solution. I don't know if any of you have ever like shown up to a Bible study for a few weeks and you're like, why is my life not all better yet? You know, or whatever. Like, I've, I've been in a discipleship group for like three months. How come I'm still struggling in these areas? Because everything's baby steps on the path to the celestial city. All of it is just day by day, step by step, moving closer and closer to the one our hearts long for. This is why the journey is long obedience in the same direction. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is such an easy sell in our culture, right? I mean, doesn't our culture just prize long, patient processes, right? I don't know about you, but like we can get frustrated when our internet on our phone takes four seconds to load a web page while we're on a ship in the middle of the ocean, right? Like we're like, why is it taking so long? I mean, we get information, food, packages, and entertainment, and just about everything else so fast. And I'm pretty sure Amazon's working on a way to get it to you even faster tomorrow. (laughs) We like big conferences and motivational speakers who can say that we can live our best lives in three quick and easy steps. But this is a difficult and slow process, and it goes right against what our culture values, which is quickness. Uh, I once heard a comedian say it this way. He said, um, in the future, if everything takes three seconds, the DMV would pay, take like eight seconds. And we'd be so frustrated by the eight seconds that it took the DMV to do anything. Like that idea, like we want fast and faster and faster. And Jesus is slowing us down. Jesus is slowing us down, calling us further up and further in, getting us to listen to his voice. And it's slow. And it takes time. It takes patience. And that's hard for me. What about you? It's hard because I want the microwave solution. But the way of Jesus is not fast. It's intentionally slow. It's simple and it's difficult. And here's another thing. It is not. It is not a solo journey. It is not a solo journey. The words that are used here for work out um, are actually plural. This This letter was not being written to a bunch of individuals, but to a collective, to a particular biblical community. So work out together your salvation. See, we journey together. We are discipled in community. The way of Jesus is not a solitary quest. It is a fellowship with brothers and sisters along the path. 
Just like in that story, right? If Pilgrim, if the Pilgrim Christian was in the cell by himself, he would have given up. But he had hopeful by his side to call out what was true. We are absolutely at our most vulnerable to our spiritual enemy when we are alone. 100%. We are meant to do life in biblical community. So then Paul says something that I don't know about you, but it's not my favorite type of sentence in the Bible. He says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now I looked that up in the Greek and hoping that it would be something like a little bit lighter. And maybe that's just like a little heavy handed of a translation. It's actually not. The translation would actually, a truer translation might be even a little bit um, scarier. Uh, Terror and quaking would be another version, right? (laughs) Would you believe it though, if I told you this is actually a good thing? a wise thing. And here's why I say that. In the book of Proverbs, you might be familiar with this passage. It says that the beginning of, um, that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom or knowledge. The fear of the Lord. When we fear him, it's the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. And here's why that's relevant when, especially where we're just at with Jesus's humility, that we're called to emulate his humility. We often elevate ourselves and appreciate God. But when we rightly see who God is, when we rightly see who we are, it gives us perspective. In other words, what Paul is encouraging to do is to work out their salvation as they realize who God really is. That there is an authority, that there is an all-knowing one, that there is a true and just judge, that there is a king and I am not it. True wisdom is found in being humbled and acknowledging that there is a God and he actually knows more and better than you or me. And that's hard because that's not what I want to think. But you see, it's not that Paul is saying that he desires for them to be afraid of God. What he is saying is that it is impossible if you do not realize who God is for you to journey on this path. For us to grow in true gospel freedom, we can't do it without a right understanding of who he is and who we are. When we know this, we respond in humility. Isn't it interesting that this comes right after the the Christ hymn where it's talking about the humility of Jesus because he's the ultimate example of this on display. That though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself, becoming a servant, dying death, even death on a cross. So that, and then from there it talks about his glory. Isn't that insane? Isn't that incredible to think about? Like just, just, Put that on for a second, that Jesus is humble. I mean, that makes sense to us, right? But when you think about it, why would the God of the universe bother with humility? And the question that follows up is, why don't we? See, the path we walk on is the path of Jesus, the humble king, the servant king, the Messiah. And we follow on this path in his way. So in other words, the arrogant, the self-righteous, the prideful, they cannot truly enter into discipleship of the way of Jesus simply because they've never put themselves in the right paradigm to do so. So if you think that you have it all figured out, if you think that you can rely on your own righteousness, then I would say like Paul's encouragement me something to the effect of while you go and get your groceries next week, also pick up some fear and trembling, like realize who God is and who you are. 
Because you see, the journey begins when we realize how desperately in need we are, which is where he gets at in verse 13. For it is God who works in you. Did you get that? It is God who works within you. It is not you who works in you. It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Would you believe it? Not only does God save you, but God is the one who provides both the desire and the ability to work out the implications of your salvation. Do you get that? To will, to desire, and to work, to actually live it out. That is the work of God within you. So when we are commending one another and we're like, man, I'm seeing what God's doing in you, that's not like empty Christian flattery. It's just an honest evaluation of what's happened. You used to be really frustrated in those moments, but like you just showed such patience, patience and humility as you just asked questions. That was incredible. Praise God. Now, not about you, but I want God to continue to shape my desires toward him. I want him to transform my actions to match those of Jesus. Praise God, he doesn't just leave us to our own devices. And the type of language he's using here is, is abiding language. Hyperlinks back to the book of Matthew when Jesus is talking about what? About this analogy that he is the vine and that we are the branches. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, but only as it connects to the branch can we bear much fruit. It says, abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. God is moving us and shaping us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. He is affecting a good work in us. See, we live in gospel freedom as we live in our incredible need for God's transforming work. Not our transforming work, but God's transforming work. But it comes out of our desperate need. So then the encouragement's simple tonight. Let go of your best efforts. Let go of your despair. Let go of your hopelessness, let go of your doubts, let go of your pride. Instead, hold on to that key called promise. This isn't meant to minimize what you are currently facing. I know some of the stories in this room. I know how hard some of them are. But what it does mean is that whatever you face, you do not do so alone. God is present with you and in you, and he is working for his good purpose. Unfortunately, it might not always happen as quickly as you or I would desire, right? But do you guys ever go to a restaurant and then um, you look at the menu and there's like an item that says it was like, it was like, like pulled pork that was marinated for 172 hours under a burning bush or something. And then, uh, and, and then they take it and then they marinate and then they move it into being roasted in a pit that was dug out. And then they cover it up with like charcoal straight from Hawaii or something like that. And you're like, that sounds awesome, Right. What's different between that and, you know, say you go to like a, a fast food place. The time, the effort, the intentionality that went into it. And you trust that it's going to be worth it, right? Because we realize that time and intentionality can bear wonderful results. The hard part is the waiting. The hard part is the long obedience in the same direction. 
See, the work that the Spirit of God is doing in you and in us as a biblical community might not sound like a lot right now. But we, we tend, I've said this before, but we tend to overestimate, uh, we tend to overestimate what God's going to do with us in the short term and underestimate what he's going to do with us in the long term. But he's already done so much in you and me. And by God's grace, he will continue to do so for the days, months, and years ahead. It won't be quick, but it will be worth it. See, this is long obedience in the same direction. This is the way of Jesus. I'm gonna invite the band to come on up. Simple, difficult, right? More difficult than than windsurfing, for sure. But more rewarding than we could possibly imagine. So I wanted to speak specifically to those of you who find yourselves, when I was reading that, that story from Pilgrim's Progress and about the castle of despair, you're like, oh, I'm in that cell right now. Or like, I'm gonna be there tomorrow or in a month from now or in a year from now. If that's you, can I issue you one final challenge? When you are in there, hold on to that key called promise. See, that key is a king and that king is Jesus. Hold on to the truth of the gospel in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the uncertainty, because only in that do we have a firm foundation. Only in that do we have an anchor point to eternity. Only in that do we have a savior who cares deeply about where we're at today. He's not just looking at us, patting us on the head going, life looks tough right now. No, he cares deeply. He's on Like we're sitting in the prison cell. He is sitting down right next to us saying, look in your pocket. The key's there. See, he is worthy. And our temptation is we look at our circumstances. I know this is true of me. And I look at my circumstances with fear and trembling. But my circumstances don't deserve that. There is only one who deserves my fear and trembling. And you know what's crazy? That one calls himself my friend. And that's good news. So if that's you tonight and you're in the castle of despair, I would love to specifically pray over you tonight. If you are feeling that uncertainty, if you are not as far along on the path as you would have envisioned, I want you to know and remember that he is right where you are at now. So let me pray over you and then let's respond in worship. Father, how incredible is it that you have looked upon us humans and desired to call us your forever kids, your sons and daughters adopted into your forever family with the full rights of sonship. Our name has been changed to beloved. Lord, for every one of your your forever kids in here right now that feel in that castle of despair, they're struggling with difficulties in their life, the real and raw emotions of the moment. They're hurting. Lord, would you remind them that your son is with them? Would you remind them that they have a mighty counselor within them, the Holy Spirit, to encourage them? Would you remind them that they have a biblical community who surrounds them that wants to go into the messiness and muddiness and difficulty of life 
together. And in that, you are present because we're two or more gathered or you are named. You will be there. So Lord, I pray for all of us who are weary, brokenhearted, hurt, frustrated. Lord, I just pray that you would do your work. Yes, Lord, you would do your work in us. I pray that as a community, we would surround and support one another and that we would press into one another's lives towards Jesus, that we would walk this long road of obedience, that we would do this together and that in it, we would discover how loved we are and in that, discover how to love others well. Yes, Lord. You are good and you are kind and you're faithful. I thank you for what you're doing in us and through us in our community. We trust you tonight. So Lord, we respond in worship to what you have already done. So we give you all the praise, all the honor and all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.